This is the 343 Podcast. I'm your host, John Pronich. Welcome to the show. Welcome back to the 343 Podcast. This is another installment of Two Minutes Uninterrupted. On these episodes, coaches are given two minutes to discuss their coaching philosophies and ideas about the game. After that, we talk about the topics that they touched on, and we try to extract at least one gold nugget that you can leave with. The guest on this episode is Tristan Tillette. So a big thank you to Tristan for coming on the show. You can connect with Tristan on Twitter. His handle is at T-Tillette. That is at T-T-I-L-L-E-T-T-E. And if you didn't catch that, you can always go to 343coaching.com and there's a link there that you can click and it'll take you right to Tristan's profile. Tristan has been one of the biggest supporters of the work that we do at 343. So unsurprisingly, we went a little bit over the normal time that I allot for these short two minute episodes. And it's because we had a lot to talk about. And I had a really good time chatting with Tristan, and I hope that you enjoy listening and learning from this conversation. To learn more about 343 and the free and the premium programs that we offer uh, that Tristan and I have both participated in, you can visit 343coaching.com. 343 offers the only online learning programs that help you learn to coach possession soccer from a proven practitioner. And 343 also shows you exactly how some of the best players in the nation were actually developed. So those two things hand in hand are a massive benefit and a massive advantage for 343 over all the other learning programs that are out there. So if that's something that you're looking for, go check out 343coaching.com. Once again, that is 343coaching.com. All right. I hope that you enjoy this episode of Two Minutes Uninterrupted with Tristan Tillette. Tristan. What's going on, my man? How are you? What's up, dude? Temperature here. It's a balmy 97 today down south. So I'm just in my car with the AC on, trying not to sweat to death, bro. <laughs> well, uh, I won't make you jealous then. We won't talk about the weather. <laughs> dude. I already know. Uh, good to finally get you on the phone, dude. I'm excited sure. to talk to you. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Absolutely. It's been a, it's been a exciting day. So this is this That's is gonna, this is going to be a memorable interview because it's a memorable day for me. So I'm going to remember everybody that I've interviewed today because Alex Mendez just signed his contract with IX. I saw that. I saw that on Twitter. It's big time. It's badass, dude. It it is big yeah. time. It's cool. Um, and I just wanted to, I, especially be, because it is happening. Like we're we're talking on a on a you know pretty historic day for us at least um sure. i just want to say thank you dude because you've been a you've been a huge advocate for for us and you've been very supportive of the work that we do and um i, I just wanted to, to make sure that i say thank you to you because it means a lot it's it's my and our pleasure from the people that i've i've contacted and it's much needed and and, and hopefully we can keep spreading the word absolutely cool man um I, uh, like I kind of hinted, I, I do have a, a shitload of interviews lined up today, so I can't waste too much time on all this, on all this nice mushy gushy stuff. So we got to gotcha. get, we got to get into it. Um, I, I think you're familiar with the, with the interview format. So you're going to get two minutes uninterrupted from me 
to uh, to speak about your ideas about the game or your coaching philosophy, and then let's spend like 10, 15 minutes talking about it and talking about what's uh, what's important to you in the area that you're working in and what's important to you and, and your players that you're working with. So, um, all right, here we go. Two minutes, yep. two minutes uninterru- uninterrupted. Uh, hit it, Tristan. All righty. Um, my approach would be a little bit different where it's going to be more in terms of like philosophy and culture where I think that's kind of the underpinning of, um, of whatever any coach is doing with boys, girls, you know, older, younger, it just comes down to the environment that we're setting day to day. So here goes, uh, I'm, my, and our underlying philosophy is that culture is King. It's not just our job, but our duty to instill a culture that allows our young players to thrive. We must treat them with respect, empathy, and appreciate the person that stands before us each day. We have the chance to be the best part of their day. What does this look like to us? It looks like games. Sessions should be game-based where players are physically, mentally, and most of all, socially engaged. Uh, What does this sound like? It sounds like them. Regardless of the age, the players pick the teams, positions, and set the standards of each session, each season, that they would like to achieve. Finally, what does this feel like? It feels like fun. It's a game. It's meant to be fun. It's fast, creative, and never boring. After all, it's just kids in a ball. That's what I got. All right, dude. I don't even need two minutes. Perfect. Um, all right. Well, uh, tell everybody who you are, uh, what level, what level you're coaching at, and, and where you're coaching, and then we'll we'll go from there. Yeah. So Tristan Tillette live uh, currently in Birmingham, Alabama. Was born and raised uh, in inner city New Orleans, Louisiana. Um, dad was a high school college coach. He got into coaching before I was born, so it kind of chose me, so to speak. Um, worn a bunch of different hats over the last 10 or 15 years, but always kind of get back to um, coaching. Um, one, fa- one thing that I will say, and it'll kind of be a little uh, Eminem eight-mile rap battle, um, <laughs> I'm, I, I have no um, high school, college, semi-pro professional soccer playing experience. I was a basketball guy, hashtag. Um, quotes. Um, it's funny that uh, some of my coaching friends and I like joke about that. Where in our in our culture here, that's kind of what I'm known as is, is a soccer guy. My fiance is involved in the game. She's a director of coaching here. My three kids play. Uh, trained um, from a physical side, strength conditioning, performance. You know, a ton of local players from ages eight all the way up to you know some of our um, NWSL, MLS players just kind of going through the ranks. Um, but I've always been around sports. Uh, about a year and a half ago, I met a good friend and colleague of mine in Atlanta, and he had started a futsal program there, and we started our futsal program, uh, Birmingham Futsal, about a year ago. Um, and, and, and our goal with that is simply to kind of bring, like I said in the, in the uninterrupted kind of initial um, intro portion, just to try to bring fun back to the game. You know, try to, try to re- reinstill the nature of why did – Lionel Messi first start to play it's because he saw people having fun it's because the game chose him the ball chose him he was enamored by that so that's our goal is to try to empower each kid to kind of find their own way uh in that regard so to speak the stuff about basketball is interesting to me and and um I I do believe that we have uh, like the, like a, a big population or a big chunk of coaches that do not have any playing experience because they grew up in an era where uh, a lot of uh, a lot of you know areas didn't have soccer prevalent like club soccer didn't yeah. exist in in my area when I was growing up nope and that was let's see 
I'm 32. So just 20 years ago, there, there wasn't club soccer in, in the, on the coast of California where, where I live. So yep. it, when people say that they don't have any um, playing experience, it's not that surprising to me. And I've had a, um, Michael Perkins on the show before. And Michael is somebody that I've, I've had, um, the, the great experience of, of getting to know, and I call him a friend and um, he he's mostly a basketball guy too, but now he's coaching in the development academy. And his both of his sons are phenomenal players. One of his sons is is uh, an exceptional player, and and a lot of what Michael has has taught them has stemmed from basketball. And I also interviewed Chris Richards' dad, who I know him well. Yeah, I played against. Yeah, you can't, for sure. And so there's a big basketball influence in that household as well. And Chris's dad, um, Ken, when he was when he he spoke with me, talked about how how much of an impact basketball had on Chris uh, and his decision making and his awareness and things like that. So I I tend to not get too wrapped up in the in the you know debate that happens on Twitter all the time of kids should be <laughs> doing just this or should be doing everything. It's just like whatever the kids are doing, they're going to do, and they're going to learn Amen. something from it. Um, Amen. And, and, and there's no reason to get all, all worked up or try to take a, a strong stance or anything like that yep. on it. Because to me, there's, there's enough evidence out there to support all the arguments and, yep. and you can dissect it any way you want. So, um, yep. I, I think the more important thing is, is that you take what you've learned from, whatever type of environment and then make it work in, in your own environment. So if, if, if it's awareness, for example, right. Or a, a really, really, really good example is how to lose a defender. And if you watch basketball, if you watch Steph Curry, for example, Steph yep. Curry does the exact same motion that we teach our kids uh, on, on a soccer field, how to lose your defender. You you take two steps in one direction, the defender bites yep. on it, and then you go a completely opposite way and you create a ton of space for yourself. It, it, it applies to both sports. So, uh, um, yeah, so I, I'm, I'm going on a tangent. I'm taking up your entire interview. So, uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, That's so. That's probably the best anyway. No, 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 no. So, but, but it's just something that I think is, is important uh, for for coaches to hear, like don't don't get all wrapped up or anything in, in in that little debate because there's obviously there's there's crossover. So um, sure, yeah. Well, there can be crossover and there can be isolation and specialization. So you kind of touched on it. It's like if a kid only wants to play one sport, why are we gonna try to put a square peg in a round hole? Like yep. we can obviously encourage them to be active. Like in our country, I don't I don't feel and I come from a from a fitness strength conditioning sports performance background. I've had conversations with noted orthopedic surgeons and I, I don't necessarily believe that early sports specialization is bad or even an issue. The issue is our kids compared to you and I, I I'm, I'm a bit older than you, but the eighties babies, we were moving eight to 10 hours every day. Now our kids move outside of an organized sports practice. They might move eight to 10 minutes every day. That's a problem. It's not the fact that a kid wants to play one sport or, or that. Now, if mom and dad are kind of pushing and forcing and, you know, allowing that type of thing to go on, then that's going to be an issue. And then kids will burn out. But if they, if they love an activity, why the hell are we going to discourage them from doing a, something that they love? That makes no sense to me. No, and it's something actually I just wrote down in my notebook as you were talking. It's that don't, don't push a kid to be a single sport athlete if they don't want to be one. And don't push a kid to be a multi-sport athlete if they don't want to be one, because then then they're doing something they don't ultimately want to do. And there, and this is something I've said for a long time. 
there is a place for every type of soccer player. There is a place for recreational soccer players. There is a place for college bound soccer players. There is a place for elite, you know, the top 1% type of soccer players. But here, here's the, here's the big problem is that that elite 1% type of soccer player is such an outlier that their voice and their power is actually very, very, very small. And the, the most powerful voice or the most powerful people tend to be from the recreational side of things. So those are the people that are really pushing for uh, multi-sport uh, athletes and for sure. no specialization. So that that's where I think the, the balance is really off or, or where the conversation should really be directed is that if you have like these, these elite special athletes, let's do everything we can to empower them and, and, to, and, and to give them all the tools that they need in order to become the absolute best that they can without having to drag them down or attach them to uh, the players that just want to be recreational players, the recreational players should have, there should be no problem with them being recreational players. You don't see the, the top athletes telling those players, Nope, you, you shouldn't be doing that. You shouldn't be becoming a rec player. You don't ever see that. So it, if there's any part of that, that really should be a debate, I think it should be kind of in that little, uh, in that little window. Yeah. And I would say for that, you know, people that are either in quote, the top 1% or aspire to be, um, the, the market and the current culture, I think across our country in the youth game. I mean, you mentioned one example in terms of Chris Richards, great player. It's not like he was better the day after he left Birmingham. He was the same player, but now he's in a different market. He goes, he strives, he keeps working. Somebody, somebody puts him on at Houston. He's down there. Then he goes to FC Dallas. He doesn't make it. Then he goes back and now he's at Bayern Munich. But if he never gets that opportunity, if he's never in that, that, quote i hate the word but pathway and platform and he he's not marketed as that type of player then he doesn't have the chance to to reach his dreams so in that sense that is a, no, a notion of sports specialization because if you're going to go all in and you're going to move away from home or you're going to participate in a da program and train four days a week and no other activities and this and that then you kind of have to choose that route you know yeah. so that's the that's way more than a two-minute uninterrupted conversation but that's kind of like Ultimately, that's why we created our program in terms of futsal, which I know you guys, you know, like you're not a huge fan of that. But our goal is bringing the street notion to suburbia. Now, it's not, you know, going to be where people are coming in brandishing firearms and things like that. But I mean, (laughs) sorry, we've got to draw the line somewhere. We are in the Bible Belt down here. But I mean our adult games 24 players and we've had 24 players from 19 different countries where like literally they don't speak the same language at all it's just about the ball so you know that kind of top down bottom up approach of just getting people involved in the game and just enjoying the game and enjoying each other is is kind of why we created that because from from the youth side from what i've seen in my own personal experience from coaching and dealing with you know friends and colleagues and 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 loved ones in my own personal experience with my children, there's just not a whole lot of fun in the game a lot of times for them, which is what it should be. Yeah, we we have experience with starting a program similar to that where we wanted to kind of give suburbia a taste of what pickup culture is supposed to be like. And and, yes. it, and it's just so foreign. It's so foreign yes. to the parents. <laughs> it's so foreign to the kids. And, yep. and it, it, it was a, an eye-opening experience, which was really strange to me because I, I, I would imagine that like um, parents 
and, and maybe I can limit this to dad specifically. Like I, I, I remember growing up and, and going to play pickup basketball all the time. And, and yep. like we, we knew how to start a pickup basketball game. Like the, like you would just show up, you would pick teams, shirts and skins. Uh, you, you would play first to 11. Like, you know, th- those were just things that you just, yep. you knew and, and, and things that happen at, at the gym, like all the time. Like it was just normal to, to see that, like you go work out and then you play 30 minutes of pickup basketball and, and, and that's it. And so, and probably the most important part is if you won, you got to keep playing. Yes. If you didn't, then you had to sit for an hour and a half, and we'll see you tomorrow because you ain't going to get to play again. Yep, and 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 yep. that and, and that uh, <laughs> and and that fire. I mean that that got people fired up. Like the, if they if yep. you were a good player, they got stuck on a shitty team, and you lost. Uh, you yep. know the first game, and you had to wait for forty five minutes for your next game. Like if you're that good player, you're pissed. And uh, how many but, fights I got in my upbringing? And that, <laughs> yeah, I was not. I was not well liked for that reason. Because like <laughs> again, I was there to play. Like the first time we we did pickup games. So our, our program started a year ago. We had three academy teams, three U.S. youth futsal. Um, and that kind of gives our kids, since we don't have a DA here, if kids would like to get put onto the national scene, that's an opportunity where they can kind of get identified, you know, have some experiences of traveling and even potentially get seen and identified um, through U.S. soccer national staff. Um, that's not why we created it, but that's a value add that we've, you know, acquired in the last year, which is which is good for some. Um, but ultimately, we had uh, one day you would have a team practice, which was all game based, uh, activity based. One day would be pickup games, and it it literally took. I sat there and looked. It took our youngest group, uh, nine and ten year olds, seventeen minutes to get the to get the first game started. Like yeah. they didn't know team they didn't know okay well like we can't all be just like multicolored like there's pennies there but like what do we do with them well like should it be a 4v4 game or 3v3 with a sub or this or this and then finally i was like okay let's just think about this who wants to sit over there on the side they're like well nobody exactly so let's see if we can get everybody playing that's the whole point you know how many people can we get playing and involved in the game as quick as possible yeah. No. And, and so I guess that's where I was going with that thought earlier is that wh- how, how did that get lost in translation from one generation to the next? Like where I would assume that most parents had to experience that when they were growing up where, you know, you had to start a game on the playground. So how did that start? That seems to be almost just uh, eliminated from, uh, from children today, from my yeah. experience, from what I, from what I see and from what, uh, obviously what we, what we witness with the, with, um, the organized program that we tried to put together, but also just from my day-to-day experience of being on the field with, with players, like they're more interested in standing around and talking or texting or, or yep. things like that than even, uh, than even getting the ball, just, just kicking the ball around when they arrive to practice. So like that, that seems to be just, you know, uh, extinct from, from a lot of, uh, the, and I hate saying it, but the suburban type culture, the suburban type club culture that, that we have here in the United States that, they don't even know how to start a pickup game anymore. I would agree. I mean, I think that probably when, you know, quote the old cliche of, you know, back in our day, but like, it's true. Like the only form of escapism was play for the most part. Like, what are we going to do? Sit inside and watch a TV that had like four channels or play Pong. Like that got boring real quick, man. So like nowadays, you know, there's so many distractions. There's, you know, so many different devices and technology and things that can be doing to try to, you know, kind of escape their, their current reality, whether it be video games, whether it be, you know, social media, whether it be Netflix, whatever it is, where 
they've kind of lost the art, as you said, of just using that way to kind of escape where the majority of time, I would love to see a stat on this. So if anybody hears this, please at me until your thumb falls off. I'd love to know like what percentage of time that, that today's kids spend on a, uh, since we're talking about soccer, a soccer field is through a team practice. Like, is that mm-hmm. 80%? Is that 97%? Is that 40%? I, you know, I would probably say it's at least 80% and above where it's something organized versus, you know, decades and generations ago, it was probably well below 50%, probably 30% and below in terms of just the amount of time that kids spent, quote, playing versus training, so to speak. Yep. And so that, that makes me think of just because of the news that broke today with Alex, you know, how much time I've been told, I I didn't get a chance to witness it, but, but I've been told that Alex would spend outside of team training. So whether that was (laughs) arriving before training sessions or staying late, I think was, was something that was kind of ingrained in Alex where he would stay, stay extra time to work on his left footed, like this little slice that he has to stay after and work on that specifically every single training session uh unprompted like he like nobody had to tell him to do it it's just they they just did it and and alex went through a spell where he he wasn't getting any playing time at at la galaxy i think is when he was on the u15 16 um boys team and so you know he, he had he had to work harder in order to uh to solidify his starting spot there was somebody that was already there when they moved over from chivas to to la galaxy and so what did he have to do he had to spend more time uh on the field and working on his own and so look at the result you know yep. then, then with the u17 national team the u20 national team then signs in germany then signs now with ix it's like okay if you want that to be your player path if you want that to if you if you want that to to happen for you then you have to do those extra things you can't you can't rely on just the team training environment to get you those results and and mm-hmm. i and i believe that that's absolutely true if you look at the you know the ultimate top performers in anything in in tennis in golf i mean the the tiger wood story is is remarkable about his his youth development serena and venus williams their their extensive hours they put in outside of training with their father you know it's like it's it's all there it's all it's all it's all there uh if if people want to see how big of an impact that that outside of team training or formal training uh, can have on your game. And I know Tom Byers is a big advocate for That's it. So what I was going to follow up with is, you know, soccer starts at home and not just like a, a two-year-old with a mini ball, like that's part of it, but like that's building and nurturing, you know, which I'm a big fan of like nurture over nature, a hundred percent, where if you grow up in, in Argentina, in Colombia, in Chile, and you can either work in the mines or you can become a pro footballer, I guarantee what you're going to choose. like the choice is already made you know so that's just right there where obviously what he talks about is getting kids on the ball but but mainly just the value and the importance of that and that mom and dad show acceptance of that behavior in their child and every kid is going to be a pleaser so son and daughter are going to want to do it more do it more do it more and then they're good at it then they get praised then it's fun and then they get better and that's just the the cycle for sure And, and amen and and it happens here too in in that um 
in like that Latin culture. So another example that comes to my mind, and and I've talked with Brian about this quite a bit, is about Ephra. And so Ephra grew up um, going to his older brother's soccer games, and yes. he w- he was this little kid that was on the sideline that always would you know find a ball to, to go dribble around or p- take people on one v one or have you know play little games or whatever. But that's very that's very common in in the in Latin culture. Yeah, and. Um, that that tends to be outside of the regular club environment, though. So you know, I, I, I can't speak to exactly where Carlos Alvarez was playing, where Efra was going to watch those games, but I do know that Efra was spending an incredible amount of time working away from his teams, and he obviously had an accelerated path, and, and things have worked out very well for him so far. But that is, I have to believe, in large part due to the excessive amount of hours that he's put in outside of his Monday, Wednesday practices. Yep. Team practice should be the extra. I mean, honestly, in terms of a player's development, you know, and that's something that was instilled in me again, growing up, son of a coach, you know, there's a, there's a bad of that. And then there's obviously a good of that where like, you know, a lot of times that the the environment that we're in, we just kind of consider that to be normal. And then you're removed from it and you're like, wait, like that's not normal, (laughs) you know? Like that's different. Like, why is that so foreign that the kids and athletes would, you know, if, if you choose to be great, you're going to have to spend a certain amount of time in, whether it be a sport, whether it be music, whether it be a doctor, whether it be a mechanic, like the more you do it, it's called practice. You get better at it for sure. All right. I got to, I got to try to wrap this up, but there's one thing I want to, yeah. I, I want to ask you because I, I wrote it down and underlined it. And so I, I want to make sure I, I, I ask you about this. You said that, uh, well, you mentioned culture, culture is king and respect and empathy were, were some of the other things that you mentioned. And then you said that your, your training sessions or the way that you coach and everything about your, your, your philosophy, um, sounds like them. And I put that in quotation marks cause I think that's what you said. It sounds like yep. them. And I, I wrote, ask about this next to it. So what does that mean to sound like them? Um, so in terms of our program, we have an adult program where, um, you know, those games, uh, not as much training, but again, those games, like if uh, we have a local club soccer director, who's a friend of mine, he came in and played a couple of times. And after 10 minutes, he like walked off the court in the middle of the game. And this is like the best, he didn't mean it like this, but this is the best compliment we ever got. He's like, I feel like I'm back in Argentina where like, that's what it should be where ultimately we're stripping off the the shine and and the three stripes or this logo or that logo, and it's ultimately just people in a ball. So, you know, w- w- what does the game sound like where you're from? Here with our kids, it's, you know, a notion of if kids come into our program and they're kind of starting out, um, we had this, this this going yesterday with one of, our, one of our groups. Some of the players were newer, and I just kind of let it go for about five minutes, John, and, and literally – if I didn't say a word, it was like a library um, in the gym and not one word was said. So I kind of brought him in and I'm like, OK, so let's let's think about this. How many goals were scored and not many? How, how fun was that? Eh, it was OK. OK, so let's go out and let's just communicate like whatever you think good communication is where the kids would set the standard, you know, and kind of letting them, whether it's, you know, yeah, ball, whether it's play him, whether it's play her, whether it's calling a name, but it's whatever kind of communication the the current players that are before you are kind of able to um, absorb. Obviously an eight year old and a 28 year old, there's going to be a different level of communication, um, you know, from a tactical awareness, you know, 
uh, language standpoint, so to speak. Uh, so just breaking it down to the bare bones and just uh, letting our players have fun with it. Got it. Yeah, that was uh, when when you said that, uh, my ears perked up and and made my pen move. So I wanted to make sure that I <laughs> that I asked you about that. Um, where can people connect with you, and where can people learn more about not only you but the 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 program that you've been talking about and and the soccer that's going on in Birmingham? Yep. Um, so Instagram and Twitter is the same handle. So personal, it's uh, T Tillet, uh, T and then T I L L E T T E. That's going to be more of kind of our, you know, personal coaching, uh, some family stuff, some sports stuff, just kind of all of the above, some philosophy stuff. And then um, our actual program is going to be uh, Birmingham Futsal, so BHM, and then Futsal, F-U-T-S-A-L. Notice I said Futsal, not Futsal, like some people call it, and it makes my skin crawl. Good God almighty. <laughs> Shorts, football, Salah, people. So it's Futsal. So they're more than welcome up there for sure. Cool. Well, Tristan, I, I, I appreciate your time. And like I, like I told you uh, uh, about 30 minutes ago, I, I appreciate all the support that you that you give to us. And if there's ever anything that we can do for you guys out there, just please let us know. Will do. You guys are awesome. Keep it up. All right, brother. Good talking to you. Thank you, buddy. All right. Later. Bye-bye. All right. Thank you for listening to another episode of the 343 podcast. And a big thank you to our sponsor, Bounce Athletics. I also want to leave you with one note from one of our members of the 343 coaching education program. His name is Thomas, and he's been a member for quite a while. And this is what he had to say. If you want to play insanely good with your team and start to understand the possession and positional game, this will give you a head start. I have tried the material on three ordinary teams, and after a year, they totally dominate the local teams. After two years, they are among the best in the region. The program 343 offers is not a complicated curriculum. It's actually simpler than you might think. But instead of more, you have to go deep in every detail. Thomas, thank you so much for that beautiful review, and I hope that everybody else finds that valuable. If you want more information about the 343 Coaching Education Program, the program that helps support and fund this podcast, you can visit 343coaching.com. All right, we'll catch you guys next time here on the podcast. Thank you so much for listening.